Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Uh, this episode will be a little bit different. I got Dom here with me in the first half, and then we'll go ahead and get David in on the second half. But Dom, man, we're going to kick this off. We'll get into, you know, the Super Bowl in a little bit. But I wanted to kick it off here with the end of the year awards. I know that we had done basically three different installments there um throughout the season of of who would win these awards and stuff like that and just real quick if you guys didn't know MVP Lamar Jackson offensive player of the year went to Christian McCaffrey uh defensive player of the year went to Miles Garrett rookie defensive player of the year went to Will Anderson uh rookie offensive player of the year went to CJ Stroud comeback player of the year went to Joe Flacco and coach of the year went to Kevin Stefanski just real quick, Dom, you know, what do you think about those awards? And I, I think for the most part, we all had the rookies. I think David had Offensive Player of the Year. But, yeah, what do you think about him? I mean, honestly, there's really not much for me to complain about. I guess the only other one that I'm okay with Stefanski winning it, I, I – with uh, I'm okay with him winning Coach of the Year. I really think that I would have been perfectly fine with D'Amico Ryan's winning it. I think he he deserved it. Um, I think Stefanski deserved it. it. It's a it was a great year of football, and I think that there were multiple people that were deserving of awards. So I'm really not super upset with who won, but I, I think you know a clear argument could have been made for D'Amico Ryan's being Coach of the Year. Lamar Jackson being coach of the year with how the regular season was makes sense. And it is a regular season award. So him winning it, I understand. But how the the season ended with them against the Chiefs kind of left a sour taste in my mouth, which honestly I'm okay with being a Browns fan. I hate the Ravens, but I do respect Lamar Jackson. I think Miles Garrett deserved defensive player of the year, um, even though he kind of tailed off. Towards the end of the season, um, he was dealing with some pretty significant shoulder injuries um, that were, I guess, kind of hindering his play. You know, you, you can make the argument that, you know, Micah Parsons or TJ Watt had better stats. But, I mean, even Micah Parsons admitted that Miles Garrett was the better player because there's more ways to affect the game than just putting up big numbers. Other than that, I'm okay with, with everything. I think Joe Flacco deserved comeback player of the year. I understand the argument for DeMar Hamlin, but uh, he he didn't play a snap this year. So it, it was kind of hard to to justify that award based on merit um, on the field. But, yeah, I'm I'm kind of okay with, with how things went. MVP could have split hairs. I think there's a couple guys that could have gotten it. I see the argument that was made against Lamar. He didn't really have the touchdown passes, you know, quarterback-wise, but all-purpose yards, he had it there. You know, all-purpose touchdowns, he had it there. I think, like I said, you could split hairs whether or not you give it to him. I think one guy gave Josh Allen a first-place vote. You know, I heard conversation about Dak. I think it just kind of depends on what camp you were in on that one, but... I don't know. I unanimously, he was almost unanimous. That to me was kind of a little much 
Because like I said, I do think there were multiple guys that you could have had in that conversation, but I'm not like too upset about it. Christian McCaffrey is a guy who I think if the MVP wasn't pretty much a quarterback award at this point, I think he could have won MVP. Yeah. I think that, you know, he had probably the best season out of anybody who wasn't a quarterback. And honestly, the quarterback play this year wasn't like amazing. Rookies of the year, Texans swept those those ones. I'm cool with that. Joe Flacco winning comeback player of the year. Again, I think the unfortunate thing. I mean, who, and, who else could have won it? The thing that I heard was like, if you weren't going to give it to DeMar Hamlin, then why put him in there? And I do understand the argument of like, he literally died on the field and then came back and, you know, he played like three snaps this year. So he did come back and suit up and play a little bit. Like I get the point, the argument, you know what I mean? For that. But again, he only played three snaps. So then is it, what do you do with that? You know, like you put him in there. So either he should have gotten no first place votes or should have gotten all the first place votes. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me is just weird. Like how can you sit there and be like, he literally came back from death. You know what I mean? So that's a hard one. That's kind of like a a Trump card on that one, but like Flacco. Yeah. I mean, he, he played well. He gave the Browns an opportunity to be in the playoffs, I think. So, I mean, I, I don't know. The Flacco one is also to me, like I made the argument, like, the stats really weren't there. If they had lost a couple of those games, I don't even think he's in this conversation. So, like, that's what do you a, mean the stats weren't there. He had a lot he of turnovers. Let, it, yeah, sure. He, he yeah had, he had a lot of turnovers, but in in seven in the the final what six games of the year, he led the NFL let me, in, let me in yards and touchdowns. Same same stats, right? He has pretty much. I think over that time span, he had almost as many turnovers as he had touchdowns, right? So if he had that same stat line. And they had lost, let's say, three or four of those games. Nobody's calling him the savior. Now, I think that defense helped out a lot. They had a lot of really good weapons on that team. I'm not saying he played awful, but I don't think he played out of this world. I think everybody was just enamored with the fact that that the Browns were winning and like they put themselves in a playoff spot. And they were a good team. Like They should have been in the playoffs. Um, if Deshaun Watson wasn't hurt and wasn't playing any consistent all year, I think this is a team that could have competed, you know, for an AFC championship and maybe played themselves into a Super Bowl, depending on how that shook out, right? But again, I they did win those games. They did put him in that position. So it did put him in this position to win this award. It's just, again, I can understand the argument either way. Kevin Stefanski winning coach of the year. Again, I mean, it makes sense. Five different quarterbacks this season dealt with a ton of injuries. But again, I, I understand the arguments have given it to D'Amico Ryans. I think that that would have been just as fine. I think um, first-year head coach, first-year rookie, rookie quarterback, you know, going from winning like three games to then winning 10 and putting yourself in a playoff position and um, what winning winning week one. So, you know what I mean? I think that's a... That that that's an argument there, but I'm not mad about that one. The only one I don't get is the is the Miles Garrett one. I think you like you made the comment stats don't always matter, but I think they do. I mean they matter, but I think I think when you when you look at a guy who doesn't have a sack the last six or seven weeks of the season, the guy who significantly played worse than the peers that he's up against, I think in those last six weeks, I think like Micah Parsons is being a nice guy, but in reality, like 
Michael Parsons probably should have been the one to win it. And if it wasn't him, then, you know, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, those guys should have been in that conversation. Like when you look at Miles Garrett, he was tied for seventh in sacks, tied for eighth in QB hits, tied for seventh in, to- in tackles for a loss, tied for ninth in QB pressures. And, you know, the forced fumbles things, I think all those guys are around the same. But, but I mean, he also faced the most double and triple teams than anybody in, in the NFL. But that's that. There's, there, I can't even. And again, like, I hear that all the time, but there is nowhere to find that stat. Nobody has it. So that that stat is just when people say that it's I think it's qualitative to whoever believes that because people could be like, oh, Michael Parsons had the most double teams. It, it, I don't you can't find that anywhere. Nobody has that data. So to me, it's it's just a biased opinion of who you like the most out of all those guys. So, like, again, I think, yes. Is Miles Garrett a really good player? Of course, 100%. I think he deserves all the flowers, but I I think this is probably, out of all the awards, this is probably the most unjustified award. I don't think he deserved it at all. I think there's probably three or four guys that deserved it more than him because if he continued on the trajectory that he was on and he didn't have that lull the last six or seven weeks of the season, yeah, I could see giving it to him, but he fell off and he was injured. Rightfully so. T.J. Watt was on a crazy trajectory last year, and he got injured. And guess what? He was not in the conversation anywhere. Nobody put him in that conversation. So I don't understand why all of a sudden we're you making know, concessions. It, we're making concessions okay, for a that, guy that's that didn't play well the last fourth of the season. That didn't make sense or last third of the season. I I think that the. TJ Watt injury thing is a little bit of a lazy argument because TJ Watt missed what more almost half the season. Yeah, but he was last playing, year. He was he was playing. He was considered to be playing the best out of all the pass rushers in the league at that point, and he was on the trajectory to be defensive player of the year last year again before he got hurt. So, but, that, but that's but that's he, what I'm saying still, is like he still missed half the season. And Miles Garrett didn't miss a game this year. But it it that's what I'm I I'm just saying in in general I understand that it's not completely the same, but I don't think I don't think he deserved it. I think honestly what happened is they looked at that Browns defense and they said it's the best defense in the league, rightfully so, and they had to give somebody an award. So to me, Miles Garrett got a consolation award because he's the arguably the best player on that defense when healthy. So they gave it to him because who else they they can't give it to anybody else defensive player of the year because the defensive player of the year has turned into who's the best pass rusher in the league. But again, when you look at the stats and look at what he did this year, he wasn't even the best pass rusher in the league. So it doesn't even make any sense why he would get it. And I'm not even vying for TJ Watt to get it. I think Micah Parsons probably should have been the one to get it. Maybe even Nick Bosa. When you look at everything that like what Max Crosby had better stats, he could have been in that conversation. You know what I mean? I think really when you look at it, what Devin Bland from the the Cowboys, he had what four or five pick sixes this year. He should have been probably more in the conversation than Miles Garrett. There's a ton of guys that should have been in that conversation. So yeah, I just don't think I think that's the only one that really was like frustrating to look at and be like, I felt like it was a consolation prize because the Browns had the number one of our defense and there was nobody else on that defense that they could give it to because again, it's the defensive player of the year award has pretty much become who's the best pass rusher. I mean, I do agree that other positions need to be in, involved in a, in a lot of these awards. MVP shouldn't just be a, who's the best quarterback and defensive player of the year shouldn't be just who's the best pass rusher. So I, I agree with you on that. 
Um, but I'm still, you know, sticking with with Miles Garrett being defense player of the year. I mean, I get it. You're a homer. That's fine. I understand. Browns I'm, fans I'm are going to follow that because it, at the end of the I'm day, being a homer, you are because you don't because you're not actually looking at what actually was done. Like that's that's the thing that's like the thing that's crazy is like I'm not even sitting here being like, oh, T.J. Watt deserved it because I think there were guys that played. He played amazing this year, right? He as another guy who was sack leader this year. But again, there was other guys that played the defensive position this year that probably should have deserved to win that award over both of those guys. Not saying that they're not great players, but we're talking about the best defensive player of the year. And Miles Garrett wasn't even close to being the best defensive player of the year this year. There's a good amount of guys that are in front of him. So again, I just, in my opinion, I feel like it was a consolation prize. And I feel like it just, to me, there will always be an asterisk next to that one because it doesn't make any sense of why he won that because he was not really effective the last six weeks of the season. Super Bowl. Chiefs 49ers, guys. Dom, your overall thoughts on the Super Bowl? Honestly, that was one of, at least in recent memory, that was one of the best games that I've ever watched. Um, that was, it was an incredible game. Um, kind of, I was more impartial. Um, it didn't really have too much of a rooting interest in the game. Um, obviously, I wanted the Lions in the Super Bowl this year, but that didn't happen. But yeah, it, it was an incredible game. I think both defenses played a lot better than I thought that they would have. Um, just with Patrick Mahomes on the other side, but also with, you know, how loaded with talent the 49ers offense is. Um, I think the, the Chiefs defense really stepped up and proved that they are one of the best defenses in football. But at the end of the day, like you said, um, what, a month ago now, it's safer bet is always to bet on the better quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback in the league. So when in doubt, bet on um, his talent. You bet on the experience that him and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey have. And that's probably the safest bet that you can make in sports at the moment. Yeah, I don't know if I agree. But it, it's crazy how just a missed field goal or a blocked extra point can lead to a walk-off overtime win. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree that the whole game was the greatest Super Bowl watch. I think like that first quarter, most of that second quarter, it was just a really gross game. Like all the fumbles, all the penalties, like I don't they they kept saying, you know, the jitters or whatever, but I just feel like these two teams at the caliber at which they were there shouldn't have been as many of those mistakes. Um, and we'll talk about a, a, you know, a bigger mistake later on that happened towards the end of the game. But like, it just, it just really felt, it just was like, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't enjoy watching the game until it like started to kind of get towards the end whenever, when it kind of felt like, all right, here we go. Everybody is starting to actually like click and move. And, um, you know, obviously you get to the, the overtime and, you get that the, that moment, you know what I mean, from Patrick Mahomes. So I think that makes it, um, or Patrick Mahomes to what Miko Hardman. So that makes it like a really fun ending. But I don't know. I just think, like I said, that a good part of that game, I was just like, man, this thing, this game kind of sucks to watch. Like, what was there? There was like both running backs fumbled. I think the 49ers had like three penalties in a row and then. There was like four penalties in a row. It was like the 49ers three in a row, and then the Chiefs had one. It was just like 
this weird, I don't know. It was just like, it just didn't, it wasn't fun to watch. But then, like I said, once it got going in the second quarter towards the, towards halftime and then after halftime, it was definitely a more fun game to watch, I think. The defenses definitely came to play, but no, it was it was a good game. I I mean, I'm I'm typically a fan of more defensive style football. So seeing seeing good defenses to me is just as exciting as seeing, you know, a 45 well, it 55 it, game. It wasn't that the that seeing a defensive battle wasn't fun. It was just like all the mistakes. You know what I mean? Like all those like mental errors what, and were they like mistakes? That just like didn't... I mean the, the turnovers I I I don't know how to look at those because is it the offensive player making a mistake or is it just the defensive players making a play when they had an opportunity? I think, to? I think it's both. You know what I mean? I think I don't think you can give the defensive player one hundred percent of the turnover. I don't think you can give the offensive player one hundred percent of the turnover. But you know I know the turnover is going to be you know the offensive players but i think you could give credit to both but i think that that to me the turnovers in combination with all those penalties and like at one point the ref messed up what the 49ers wanted to do with one of the penalties he said that they had declined it but they really accepted it so you're expecting to see like a second and two and then all of a sudden they they do a, a hurry up run play and it's first and five and then they have to go back and explain that they actually accepted the penalty or whatever it was like it was just one of those things that was like that first quarter was just like I didn't really like watching it. Like I said, I just didn't enjoy watching the game as much as I really wanted to. Um, not that I thought this was going to be like some, you know, 50 to 50 shootout or whatever in the end. But I just thought it would be a little bit more of a clean football game. Like it would feel like a heavyweight battle. And it just didn't feel that way until, like I said, we got towards halftime. And then after halftime, that's when it really started kind of feeling that way. So, but I do think Brock Purdy played well. I think the one thing that I took from this was Brock Purdy actually, mm-hmm. actually put them in positions to, he missed a couple passes. I think you kind of expect that with a younger quarterback, but for the most part, I feel like he played pretty well. He didn't lose them the game. You know what I mean? I think he didn't win them the game either. He, to me, he to me he looked average. Yeah, I, and like, I, I, I think in the in the first half when they were running the ball effectively, it allowed it took a lot of pressure off Purdy, and he was able to mm-hmm. make a lot of plays. But when Stefanski or not Stefanski, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm used to criticizing Stefanski's play calling sometimes. When Kyle Shanahan went against the went away from the run in the second half and put it all on Purdy, he looked mediocre. And at well, times the, the it problem, kind of looked like he looked lost. The problem too is what I actually don't really think the running was it was effective, but it wasn't effective as it needed to be because I think he he had like in the game he had twenty two rushes for like eighty yards. So he was like little under four yards a carry. So like it was effective, but it wasn't as effective as they had been all season. Like the Chiefs were doing a good job of like kind of stopping them at times in the run. But and they do it, have more running weapons than just McCaffrey. They they do have a couple good running backs, but they also didn't really utilize Debo really at all. That, I, yeah, like, that, that was the other thing I was going to get to was like what Debo didn't have very many catches and then uh, Kittle only had two catches. So um, and I don't think he had like maybe three or four targets. So that's that's the one thing that you look at and you're like, I definitely think Kyle Shanahan was outcoached in this one by Andy Reid. I think that's something that you can look at um, and definitively say, especially when we'll kind of get into a topic later on. 
but and i i just think that that was a contributing factor i think another contributing factor was all the penalties there in, in the first quarter i think that really stifled a lot of their their initial drives because in that in in your first two or three drive, drives against the chiefs that's when you need to put points on the board because once spagnola kind of figures you out you're not going to be able to get much on him. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, so I think if, if they didn't have that fumble um, when they were in the red zone, if they didn't have, you know, a bunch of those penalties in that first quarter, first half of the second quarter, I think it, you could have gone into half, maybe up 17, three, maybe 21, three. And I think you would have been in a better spot to continue to kind of slowly grow that lead. And hopefully there would have been a little bit more insurmountable that, you know, Patrick Mahomes couldn't come back from. But like I said, I don't think Brock Purdy, like you said, I agree. I don't think he lost in them a game, but I don't think he necessarily went out there and like won them the game. But I did see a stat that um in against the Chiefs and the defense in the playoffs, it was like who they they played the Dolphins first round, and then it was the Bills, and it was uh the Ravens. And Tua, Josh Allen, and Lamar all had like a 40-something QBR against that defense, but Brock Purdy had like a 75 QBR against that defense, especially against the rush. So that was the one thing I think like he definitely played. I I thought he played well. There's definitely a difference in talent level, but again, Brock Purdy, second year in the league, he's in the Super Bowl, like he was almost in the Super Bowl last year as a rookie. If he hadn't gotten hurt, I think they would have made it there. Um, so you look at that and you're like, okay, his trajectory, where he's at, he'll continue to get better and grow. Um, but I do think that his guys around him and and Kyle Shanahan let him down in that sense because he definitely didn't do anything to lose them that game. And if they all would have been on their A game, I think they would have had a good chance of put together a good lead. And uh maybe put the Chiefs away, but Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Like you said, he's arguably probably the best quarterback in the league right now, and I don't think it's close. I don't think there's a guy that's like on his level at this point. Um, You know, the only guy to beat him actively that's in the league quarterback-wise in the playoffs is Joe Burrow, and he can't stay healthy. So that's, that's the one thing that you look at is like who else is on that level that maybe could beat him. So, did you have any else other thoughts on the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at the stats right now. So Purdy was 23 of 38 with one touchdown, um, but eight of his 23 completions were to Christian McCaffrey. Looking at the wide receivers, Ayuk only had three catches for 49 yards. I think that's I don't know how that happens. Debo, who is probably the best dual threat or one of the best dual threat weapons in the game. Uh, three receptions for 33 yards. He had three carries for eight yards. To be fair, though, he did I, get hurt in the fourth quarter. Or was it third quarter? Like end of third quarter, he got hurt. So like he pretty much. Yeah, almost, but how, he wasn't he wasn't out that long. But he wasn't. But he definitely wasn't himself when he came back. Like I think he came back and played hurt. So how much? How much do you then change your game plan and use him as a decoy instead of trying to give him the because he's not himself at that point. Like, All right, you use him as a decoy, then throw to Ayuk or Kittle, and they do. You no, know, I, I agree. I'm just saying that the Debo one to me is like he missed half. He pretty much wasn't himself half the game. You know what I mean? So that's a tough one to be able to go out there. And and see that one of my biggest concerns with the 49ers all season, really, is how when Debo is not 100% or misses 
a game, their offense just looks lost and it sputters. And I, I think we saw that last night. And I, I really think their defense almost almost won them the game because their offense wasn't doing anything. It was Christian McCaffrey in that defense. But again, I don't know if it's Purdy or if it's Shanahan, but when one guy goes down with the weapons that they have, you should be able to have other guys like Ayuk, McCaffrey, and Kittle, and hell, even Juszczyk, step up, and you can get by with with one of their weapons being down. You know it. Can I don't. I, I don't can understand. Can I tell you it. something? And, and what I think when you when you said, I don't know if it's Shanahan or Purdy. I think it's both, and I think it's both yeah. for. I think it's both for this reason. I don't think that Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy to make the throws that are needed to be made in that offense. I think he trusts him to dink and dunk. I think he trusts him to hit the open, like when a guy is going to be open, I think he trusts that, right? But when it actually comes down to it, can you go out there, sling the ball around, move me down the field, and can I just trust that you're going to do that, right? Like when Patrick Mahomes gets on the field, Andy Reid goes, hey, here's the play, but you're the dude out there. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> do whatever you because I I trust you 100%. And I don't think that Brock Purdy has that trust because Brock Purdy is is an accurate quarterback. I think he can continue to grow his accuracy. I don't think he has like the complete knowledge of reading defenses yet, but again, he's second year in the league. Nobody does at that point. Right. But I think very much that system is very quarterback friendly. I think Brock Purdy is still a very talented quarterback. I think if he went to other mm-hmm. rosters, he would still be talented, but I don't know if he'd have the same amount of success that he's having right now. But no, I think but, that, I agree. He'd still be good. Yeah. I, I think that when push came to shove, when it mattered most, instead of saying, Hey, you're the quarterback, go win us this freaking game. He didn't have that. Kyle Shanahan, didn't call plays like that. And I think that that's the bigger problem is in that moment as the head coach, you can't do that. Go win the game for me. If you throw some interceptions, we'll figure it out. But at this point, this is it. This is the last game of the season. There's not another game. You know what I mean? We're not managing for another game. This is it. Go win me a Super Bowl because you still lost anyway and you played it safe and you were out coached by Andy Reid. You know what I mean? So to me, like, it's a little bit of both. I think Brock Purdy still has a lot to grow, and I think Kyle Shanahan as a head coach and a play caller, as much as you know he's regarded as the play caller that he is, I think he has a lot to grow too as a head coach. You will. You mentioned not having trust in a quarterback, and you you look at the quarterbacks that he's had. What quarterback has he ever had that that he fully trusted besides Matt Ryan? You know, you you look at all the quarterbacks he's had in San Francisco. I don't ever think he fully trusted Jimmy G. I think Purdy can get to the point where he could be that guy. I just don't think that he's there yet. And that that's no knock on Purdy, and that's that's not saying that he could never get there. Um, but I, I think if he continues with this trajectory, I think down the road he can. I, I think that he could have taken a big step forward last night and 
you know, won the game, but it's also okay to not be, you know, a, a gunslinger and, and push the ball down the field all the time. Like he can be an effective game manager and still make the plays at the end of the game that need to be made. Like he missed some, some easy throws that really could have changed the game, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I agree that I, I think it's a little bit of both uh, to Shanahan's credit. He he has a knack for making guys that are above average to good quarterbacks look really damn good. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was regarded as, you know, a top 15 quarterback at his peak in San Francisco when they first lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Hell, he made Nick Mullins almost look like a the guy the guy that could be a starter in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I give him credit as one of the best offensive minds in football. But I, I do think that he messed I, I think he missed some opportunities with the play calling last night. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to kind of see how they, they go forward and you know, I, I will say this. I think in in his tenure there with the 49ers, I think Brock Purdy is his best quarterback that he's had. I don't think anybody's oh, not, saying, not saying that Brock Purdy is not a good quarterback. I just think there there is this there is this mindset and there's, you know, people that I talk to that say like, hey, like, you know, Brock Purdy is is already a top five quarterback in the league. I think like um, Dan Olofsky said this on ESPN today that Brock Purdy was easily a top seven quarterback in the league. And like, I'm not discrediting what Brock Purdy has done, but I do think that people are overplaying where he's at right now. Talent wise. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he has the opportunity to be a top 10 top five quarterback in this league. If he continues on the trajectory that he's on, but I don't think he's there yet. And you saw the stark difference in talent, right? When, Mahomes played Josh Allen. It was close, and both guys played really well. And you could see that Josh Allen was the difference maker and almost winning the Bills that game, right? Like I think that there are guys that are that are close to Patrick Mahomes, but but I think that Brock Purdy is still a couple tiers underneath that, and that's not a knock on him. He's still a top fifteen quarterback in this league. I think you could easily put him in that conversation, a top half, right? But it's just not good enough right now. And and again, when you're when your coach is going to be calling passive plays and you're missing, you know, two or three easy passes that could change the game and your offensive line is having false start penalties and your running back is fumbling the ball. We'll talk about the overtime rules later, but half your team doesn't understand the overtime rules. Like I think, uh, I mean, that, that's coaching's fault right there. I mean, yeah, but I just, it's not, it's not like the overtime rules are new. Yeah. I, I just, I think that, that, that all played a part. To where you could like, you could look at Brock Purdy and be like, there was a lot going against you because there was a ton of stupid stuff. But I don't know, they'll be back. Right. This team will be back in the Super Bowl at some point over the next, you know, four or five years and um, maybe well, multiple times. Here's a question for you. You know, looking at this team and their salary cap situation and, and the team that they have right now, you know, is. Can Purdy become the guy? I think so. Uh, you, you know, it with with coaching and the and the right team around him, I think he could be a guy that can, you know, maybe get to another Super Bowl. But if you're the 49ers, 
do you maybe look at the the QB carousel and maybe make a move to get a guy that's maybe more ready to win now? But who who is that though? That's that's the problem because like the only guy that comes to mind would be like Kirk Cousins. But what does Kirk Cousins look like after the Achilles injury? And right. and is Kirk Cousins he's a vet, right? So I think he has a better understanding of defenses than than Purdy does right now. But does he really is he really that much more talented than Brock Purdy? I don't think that the gap is that big, right? Like I I know I listen, when, I'm a, when, I'm a when, big, uh I'm a big when, Kirk, when Cousins, Kirk Cousins was healthy this year, he he was by far having the best season of his career. Like I'm a I'm a huge Kirk Cousins guy. Like I I love Kirk Cousins. I think that he's probably won't, people don't give him enough credit for what he's been able to do in his career. I do think that he'll always be a a middle of the pack quarterback, but he is one of the best middle of the quarter middle of the pack quarterbacks that we have in the league, and he pushes that top ten every single year. He gets real close. Um. But I think, I think if you're gonna go out there and you're gonna tell Brock Purdy, sorry, you're not good enough, and you're gonna make him be the second string quarterback, then you better go out and you better get a dude. Like you better get a top ten quarterback top in the league. Four. You better get a top five quarterback in the league. Do not go get a Kirk Cousins. Don't bring in Russell Wilson. Like that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? You might as well just stick with Brock Purdy and continue to develop him and hope that he can turn into that guy that can make guys better around him rather than him being helped out by the guys around him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it just it just depends on who's available. And, you know, if, if a big name does come up, you know, I, I most likely, like a 99.9% certainty, they're, they're going to stick with Purdy, obviously. But, you know, if a name does come up that is a clear improvement, the only I, the only I, thing that I could see, would I, wouldn't, maybe, I wouldn't blame them for making that move, especially yeah. with how close they were. The only thing that I could see that might be like a possibility, and I don't even think this is a real possibility, but the Chargers are going into cap hell, and are they really going to be able to build a team over the next couple years around Justin Herbert? And could the 49ers put together a good enough package to entice to get Herbert? And then while the Chargers kind of reset, rebuild, and you send maybe maybe you do a, a, a Purdy for Herbert flip with some picks, and then that way the Chargers still have a young quarterback that Harbaugh can develop and they can build around him. And because they're, they're and not, they're not gonna, could still get a young quarterback too, because Herbert's what, 25, 26? Yes, but you you, but you think they they're they're about the same age. Yeah. But again, you you clearly get a guy who has a a top ten quarterback ability right now. You know what I mean? I think that's that's where you're at. And in that offense, you have a guy who has a big arm, a guy who I think Shanahan would trust. You know what I mean? But it just I just think I think you stay pat with Brock Purdy. I think you continue to develop him. I think year three of Brock Purdy, you hope that he's uh he's better. I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on because I feel like we could talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah, um, true. I, I just wanted to get your your quick thoughts. You know, a lot of people have talked about this Chiefs team, you know, this this dynasty that they've been building, right? And three Super Bowls in the past five years 
three Super Bowl wins, I should say, the past five years. They've been to four Super Bowls, um, or I guess four Super Bowls in the past six years, three wins in the last five years. They've won, you know, a ton of AFC championship games. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are already only like, I think, I know I said only, but they're already only like 16 playoff wins, 15 playoff wins away from Brady and Belichick's record as a head coach quarterback duo. You know, what are your thoughts on the the past five or six years of Patrick Mahomes' career and and, and just what this Chiefs team has done? I mean, what else is there to say other than it's, you know, it's pretty much unprecedented. I mean, the, the amount of success that they've had in a relatively short time is unbelievable. And I, as long as Andy reads there, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Because as, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, as great as Travis Kelsey is, I think the glue that, well, the engine that really makes it go is Andy Reid's experience as a coach and his mind as, as an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, but Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be successful in any offense. Travis Kelsey is going to be su- successful in any offense. But to scheme up uh, uh, a game plan the way that Andy Reid does and to be able to lead a team the way that Andy Reid does, I, I think that's what really makes the Chiefs the Chiefs. Um, and he's he's coming back. He's he's said he's not even thinking about retiring anytime soon. So, you know, I this could be something that you know we see for another five, four or five years probably. But you know, the the pace that they're on, you know, is a level of dominance that that we've never seen before. We I've, we saw that the Patriots dynasty, but you know, the, in their twenty years. 20 years of a dynasty, there was a 10 year gap where they were just a good team that lost in the divisional round every year. Um, you know, there, there were still guys that, you know, had great careers. Like I, I don't think Peyton Manning loses sleep every night thinking what would have happened if, you know, Tom Brady was never born where I, I think Josh Allen goes to sleep every night thinking, man, what if, what if, uh, Patrick Mahomes is stuck with baseball, you know, <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's four or five guys in the NFL right now the, whose careers would be completely different. If Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid were not together. That is a crazy thought. Like how, how many Super Bowls do the bills have? What about the, the Ravens have another one? Do the Bengals have one? The Bengal, Bengals probably would have one. I think, the Bills would probably have one to two. Yeah, the Eagles probably might have one. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point because you you do think about it, and who knows? Like, the Chiefs could totally go on a ten year stretch where they don't win a Super Bowl. That's a possibility. I don't think it's gonna happen, but like, I I agree. I think Andy Reid probably has another four or five years coaching that team. I think he's sixty five, so I think. There's lots of reports saying that he basically said he'll coach until he dies, um, which hopefully he doesn't die like on the field in a game or something like that from Travis Kelsey trying to push him down. Um, like <laughs> he got got in his he face. He ordered and, his food wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but like I don't know. I mean, 
over the if if over this you know six six year five year span they've been able to do what they've been able to do imagine what they could do over the next five years like imagine if they go to another four super bowls and win another three now you're talking about that they've gone to eight super bowls and won six of them and they've done that in an 11 year time span which is what Brady and Belichick did in a 20 year time span you know what i mean not taking away what they did but i guess then that conversation i'll shift it to to the other question that i put on here for you dom like a lot of people are already putting mahomes in the goat debate putting andy reed in the goat debate putting travis kelsey in the goat debate in their respective positions/jobs you know is it fair to put them in that conversation right now? Are they already the GOAT in their respective fields? You know, what's your opinion on that? I think all of them are on track to, you know, it. Well, if you look at the, you know, career trajectory right now of Patrick Mahomes, it's a level of dominance that, that we've never seen, even with Tom Brady. I, I think obviously Mahomes needs more time. He is only 28. And I think he still has a lot more Super Bowls to win. But looking at just pure talent and quarterbacking, I, I think you can make an argument that he is the best that we've ever seen um, in terms of accolades and Super Bowl wins. I still think Tom Brady is the you know greatest of all time in that. Um, but I, I, if anyone's going to dethrone Brady, I think it's clearly Patrick Mahomes. I think Kelsey is close to being the best of all time. I I don't know. I, I still like to think, you know, Antonio Gates and and uh you know some of the, the best tight ends from, from that era are still, you know, probably the greatest of all time still. But I think if if Kelsey can can put up these numbers for a couple more years, uh, absolutely he could be the greatest of all time. Um, Andy Reid, yeah, I don't see. I, I think, I guess, opinion of Bill Belichick has kind of taken a hit over the the last couple of years. So I I think now is probably as good of a time as any to to really second guess who's the greatest coach of all time. And at this point, I think the only other coach that you can make an argument for is Andy Reid. I'll say this. Travis Kelsey, to me, is already the greatest tight end of all time. He has three Super Bowls. I think this is the first year in an eight-year time span that he didn't have 1,000 rushing yards. You know, so he had eight 1,000-yard rushing – or not rushing yards, 1,000-yard – I can't even freaking talk right now. 1,000-yard receiving seasons in a row, I think. Or it was like six or eight or whatever. And then this was the first year that he didn't have one in in like, you know, a seven, eight, nine-year time span. I think that he already has that locked up. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer because of it. I think when you look at Patrick Mahomes and you look at Andy Reid, I think you could easily say that they're that Patrick Mahomes is already the second best quarterback of all time. And I think you could easily say that Andy Reid is the second best coach of all time. Um, To me, Bill Belichick just had a, he just stayed too long. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's the problem. I think, I think what he should have done and people want to compete, right? And nobody really thinks about their legacy of that way. But I think if he was a guy that thought about his legacy, I think, 
when him and Brady split up, I think he should have retired. I think that would have probably been the better play. Um, or he should have relinquished yeah, some of his. For staying, no, I I don't like he's he's a competitor, right? That's that's what it is. But I don't I don't think it's tarnished his legacy to not have that success over the past couple of years. I know it hurts, but I just I think that at the end of the day, he's still one of the most accomplished coaches of all time, and anybody who says that Brady could have done that without him is an idiot. Those guys don't win those Super Bowls without each other. Just as in Patrick Mahomes says Andy Reid do not go on this run without each other, right? I I think Tom Brady was able to leave the Patriots and go put himself on a team that if their previous quarterback hadn't thrown 30 interceptions, they probably would have been in a Super Bowl already. Like that's 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 something that I don't think people really think about. They go, "Oh, he left and went and won another Super Bowl." Well, he joined a Super Bowl caliber team already like that's it's not like he went and led the freaking bears to a super bowl like that's not what happened (laughs) so i agree like i i think hey like that that helps brady's argument you know who who was the real reason but i just think that's a stupid argument um so i just yeah i i think right now i think easily i think anybody that argues against it is a ding dong. Patrick Mahomes is number two right now, and Andy Reid is number two right now. And I think if they're, if over the next five years they're able to win two more Super Bowls and be in the playoffs every single year and be successful, I think that you could make the argument that they have taken over that number one spot after the next five years is done. I think that that would be completely, um, completely fair. So, because like you said, Patrick Mahomes, arm talent wise. And talent-wise, as a quarterback, he definitely has more talent than what Brady had. But what Brady had that other people haven't had in the past, or I don't know if we'll see that again, is his ability to mentally destroy defenses. And that's something that I think will always have him up here until somebody is able to, you know, like Patrick Holmes, put together a run where you're like, okay, we can't deny it anymore. You know what I mean? That's the that's that's the biggest thing with me. So all right. Last one up here. The overtime rules. First of all, for me, I don't really know why the players would even say that they didn't know what the overtime rules were. Um, let alone say that nobody prepared them for it. But there was like multiple guys that said that they learned what the overtime rules were when they put it up on the Jumbotron in the stadium. Um, and that there were multiple guys after the game that said they were confused as to why the Chiefs got so long to drive down the field. Um, so, you know, what is your thoughts on this? Like, just complete kind of breakdown of of the end of the game that maybe if they had a better understanding of the rules, they, they could have won. You know what I mean? Trash. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, Everyone is to blame with that in the 49ers organization. The The rules have been the rules for, what, four years now? Like, these aren't new rules. So the, the fact that they don't know the overtime rules four years after they've been implemented is on the players. It's also on the coaching staff to remind them, hey, these are the overtime rules. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan didn't know what the rules were, or he just assumed that the players knew what the 
the overtime rules were. Either way, you don't assume anything in life in general. Like you don't assume anything because you end up looking like a fool nine times out of 10. So the fact that the players didn't know what the overtime rules were is disgraceful. The fact that the coaching staff didn't do their due diligence to make sure that everyone knew what the rules were is just, I, I don't know how you, you got to cross your T's and dot your eyes when you're preparing for the Super Bowl. Like, even if it, it may sound stupid and you assume, hey, everyone, these are the overtime rules, just make sure that they know what the rules are. Like, I, I don't understand how they don't know. Yeah, this one is just unacceptable. I think all the Chiefs players said, yeah, hey, we worked on that in the preseason, in the offseason. Like, they were going over that with us. We were pre-planning that. And I heard a comment that was like, somebody said, you know, the teams that aren't talking about the playoff overtime rules are the teams that clearly know they're not making the playoffs. The 49ers knew they were like they knew they were gonna be in playoff contention. Like you have to know you're a good you know what I mean? Like that's that's something that's crazy to me that the like the Bears would be a team that probably wouldn't talk about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not not the 49ers. So it's just a very weird thing. And like, yeah, I think as much as it's on the coaching staff, it's on the players. You need to know the rules for the game that you play. What are we like what are we talking it, about? Especially I could understand if it was a new rule. Mm-hmm. Like if this was the first year of the overtime rules, I can understand, but that's still on coaching to not do their due diligence and make sure that everyone knew what the rules were. Um, like I said, yeah. these are not yeah. new rules. No, and 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 I like my thinking was like, you guys, this is not high school or even college. You do not need to be coddled or your hand to be held. You're professional athletes. You get paid hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars a year. You need to know the rules. How are you going to be so meticulous in taking care of your body, but you can't take the time to know what the heck you're supposed to do? Like, that's a that that to me is a big one because not only did they not know the rules, but they they chose to take the ball first because they thought that if they scored first, then they won the game. Yeah, it, it's not like that's. And, and Kyle Shanahan is in a completely different wavelength than his players. His players said that they wanted to go first to win the game, and he wanted to go first because he said he wanted the third possession because he thought, oh, we'll score a touchdown, they'll score a touchdown, and then we'll get the ball back and win in sudden death. So he knew the rules. He just didn't share no, he it with did. his team. No, because he, he, said, he said he wanted the third possession. So he knew what the overtime yeah, was. Yeah, but were. if they – if they would have went down and sc- oh yeah you're right because a regular season if they go down and score a touchdown first then it's the game a, is over yes but in the postseason it's everybody gets a possession so if, like let's say the 49ers right. drove down the field scored a touchdown and then the Chiefs drove down the field and scored a touchdown and decided not to go for the two point conversion then it's the next points that win so they didn't even have to score a touchdown they just had to get a field goal the 49ers would have so I understand right. his yeah. I understand his thinking but. Why just take just have them go first so then you know what you need because that that's the whole thing that the that that the mm-hmm. you know Chiefs were able to do they were like okay well we know that we need to either at least get a field goal or we need to score a touchdown to win so 
they have four downs now to work with. When you go first, you have to you have to play within three downs. You you can't mm-hmm. risk it and go on fourth down. Like if you're you're if you're close, you're gonna kick a field goal. Unfortunately, the Chiefs didn't give a shit. They needed to win the game, like so they went on on fourth down. And Patrick Mahomes said that they were gonna go for two anyway. If the if the 49ers scored a touchdown, that they were gonna go for two anyway on their touchdown. So they were either gonna win it or lose it. So that's that that to me is just a different mentality. The Chiefs had a winner a winning mentality, and the 49ers went in there not to lose the game. You know what I mean? That's. That's the craziest thing to me. And you could even tell that in the second half. Like it almost felt like the Chiefs were playing to win and the 49ers were playing not to lose. And I think that's where you where you cross that and that's how you have a what a 24 25 to 22 win in the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. That's that's the biggest fumble of the bag, I think in most recent Super Bowls that I can remember. All the way back to when Kyle Shanahan was also a part of the team that lost that blew a twenty-eight to three lead to the Patriots. I mean, he he was he was just a coordinator at that point. Like, it, I, I I put more uh, emphasis on Dan Quinn on that one. No, yeah, of course, but at the same time, I said that was this was probably the biggest fumble of the bag, and I think the first one that I could think of when you go back is is that one. I think that's... Well, I mean, yeah, that, that was a historic collapse, so... Yeah. Natchez, they, they brought it up during the... Like, every playoff game that that Super Bowl is brought up, randomly throughout the season, that game is, is brought up. Like, it, it could be a Sunday afternoon game between... I don't know, hold on. I gotta look up who finished last this year. But like, it, it could be a meaningless <laughs> game, and it, it could it's not even Panthers, be relevant for... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the Panthers and I don't know the Cardinals, and it could be like seventeen fourteen. It'll be like, man, at least it's not a collapse like uh, twenty eight to to three. Yeah, and that's and that's got to be tough because like I would just as like Matt Ryan, I would just never get on social media again. That's a that's a tough one. All righty, Dom. Thank you so much for being on here, man. Like I told you guys, David's going to hop on here next and uh, we'll get his opinion on uh, on all this stuff. I'll probably split it into two and I'll just label it as this is Dom's opinion and this is David's opinion. And uh, in the second one, I'll try not to go too hard on my Miles Garrett rant and I'll, I'll let uh, David talk more about all that stuff. But um, thank you again, Dom. And uh, hopefully we'll get to do this again uh, next week. Yeah, no problemo, amigo.